0: Our Bible reading today is from Luke chapter 21, verses 5 to 38. Luke chapter 21, verses 5 to 38. I'm reading from the easy to read version. Some of the followers were talking about the temple. They said, this is a beautiful temple built with the best stones. Look at the many good gifts that have been offered to God. God. But Jesus said, the time will come when all that you see here will be destroyed. Every stone of these buildings will be thrown down to the ground. Not one stone will be left on another. Some followers asked Jesus, teacher, when will these things happen? What will show us that it is time for these things to happen? Jesus said, be careful, don't be fooled. Many people will come using my name. They will say, I am the Messiah, and the right time has come. But don't follow them. When you hear about wars and riots, don't be afraid. These things must happen first. Then the end will come. Then Jesus said to them, Nations will fight against other nations. Kingdoms will fight against other kingdoms. There will be great earthquakes, sicknesses, and other bad things in many places. In some places there will be no food for the people to eat. Terrible things will happen, and amazing things will come from heaven to warn people. But before all these things happen, people will arrest you and do bad things to you. They will judge you in their synagogues and put you in jail. You will be forced to stand before kings and governors. They will do all these things to you because you follow me. But this will give you an opportunity to tell about me. "'Decide now not to worry about what you will say. "'I will give you the wisdom to say things "'that none of your enemies can answer. "'Even your parents, brothers, relatives and friends "'will turn against you. "'They will have some of you killed. "'Everyone will hate you because you follow me. "'But none of these things can really harm you. "'You will save yourselves by continuing strong in your faith "'through all these things.'" You will see armies all around Jerusalem. Then you will know that the time for its destruction has come. The people in Judea at that time should run away to the mountains. The people in Jerusalem must leave quickly. If you are near the city, don't go in. The prophets wrote many things about the time when God will punish his people. The time I am talking about is when all these things must happen. During that time, it will be hard for women who are pregnant or have small babies because very bad times will come to this land. God will be angry with these people. Some of the people will be killed by soldiers. Others will be made prisoners and taken to all the different countries. The holy city of Jerusalem will be under the control of foreigners until their time is completed. Amazing things will happen to the sun, moon and stars and people all over the earth will be upset and confused by the noise of the sea and its crashing waves. They will be afraid and worried about what will happen to the world. Everything in the sky will be changed. Then people will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to happen, stand up tall and don't be afraid. Know that it is almost time for God to free you. Then Jesus told this story. Look at all the trees. The fig tree is a good example. When it turns green, you know that summer is very near. In the same way, when you see all these things happening, you'll know that God's kingdom is very near. I assure you that all these things will happen while some of the people of this time are still living. The whole world, earth and sky, will be destroyed, but my words will last forever. Be careful not to spend your time having parties and getting drunk or worrying about this life. If you do that, you won't be able to think straight and the end might come when you are not ready. It will come as a surprise to everyone on earth. So be ready all the time. Pray that you'll be able to get through all these things that will happen and stand safe before the Son of Man. During the day, Jesus taught the people in the temple area. At night, he went out of the city and stayed all night on the Mount of Olives. Every morning, all the people got up early to go listen to Jesus at the temple. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this portion of your words, and again, as we come to look at it this morning, we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts and minds. Lord, uh, this passage is talking very much about the second coming of the Lord Jesus, and we pray that uh, we might look forward with great anticipation to that. So Lord, uh, speak to us now through your word we ask, for Jesus' sake. Amen. So you pranged the car. You know what? It's actually not the end of the world, is it? If you're in isolation for a couple of months, it's not the end of the world. If you lose your job, and I don't want to minimise that, but it's not the end of the world either. It's not the end of the world if these things are taken from us. That's what Jesus is saying to his disciples in Luke chapter 21, verse 9. When you hear about wars and riots, don't be afraid. These things must happen first. Then the end will come later. Jesus predicts in incredible detail and with incredible accuracy something that's about to happen in the lifetime of his disciples, the destruction of the temple and the fall of Jerusalem. That, of course, happened in AD 70. But for the disciples, this is just unthinkable. That'll be the end of civilization as we know it if that happens, they said. But Jesus says, no, it's not the end of the world. Each night, Jesus would stay on the Mount of Olives, but every day the people would come to the temple early in the morning to hear him teaching. So he would commute daily in and out of Jerusalem. And one morning, as Jesus and the disciples were coming into Jerusalem, the sun was shining on the temple, and the disciples were remarking among themselves just how beautiful the temple is. Can't you just imagine them wandering around with their smartphone cameras, wide-eyed and marvelling at Herod's temple? It was four football fields wide and five football fields long, made of marble that was so pure from a distance it looked like a giant mountain of snow. By far, it was the most impressive building the disciples had ever seen. And Jesus says, see these stones? Not one will remain standing. The whole thing's going to be demolished. Tell us when this is going to happen, they say. What signs will we have? You see, as far as the disciples were concerned, this was just unthinkable. It surely must mean the end of the world. But Jesus says, it's not the end of the world yet. Now, it's not always easy to discern when Jesus is talking about the fall of Jerusalem and when he's talking about the end of the world. He says, the end of the world will come, but not yet. And he actually gives three warnings in verses 8 to 19. The first warning is, don't be deceived, verse 8. Now, if you've seen Monty Python's Life of Brian, you'd know that there was a lot of turmoil and unrest and messianic activity In the years leading up to the fall of Jerusalem, you might want to check that out from a more reliable source than Monty Python. But that was the case. And Jesus predicts it. He says in Luke 21, verse 8 Be careful, don't be fooled. Many people will come using my name, they'll say, I am the Messiah. In other words, this isn't going to be the province of a few odd cranks here and there now and again. There will be many de facto messiahs, many who will live and act and play at being Jesus. How do you recognise these de facto messiahs? Well, look at what Jesus says. He says, many people will come using my name. They will say, I am the Messiah. Just compare that with the testimony of John the Baptist in John chapter 1 and verse 19. When the Jews in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask John who he was, what did John say? Did he say, I am he? No, he didn't. He said, I am not him. He confessed freely, I'm not the Christ. So they asked him, well, who are you then? Are you Elijah? And he said, no, I'm not Elijah. Are you the prophet? He answered, no, I'm not. Finally, they said, well, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And John says, I don't want to talk about myself. I'm just a voice crying in the wilderness. That's all I am. Make straight the way of the Lord. Friends, that's how you recognise a true prophet. A true prophet does not draw attention to himself. A true prophet points to Jesus. But Jesus warned, there will be many who will come in my name and say, I am he. Be warned, it will happen right up to the very end. Don't be deceived. Many false messiahs will come. And that warning is just as necessary today as it was in those days leading up to the fall of Jerusalem. So don't be deceived by false messiahs. And the second warning, don't be distracted by world events. Verse 9, when you hear about wars and riots, don't be afraid. These things must happen first. Then the end will come later. Jesus said to them, nations will fight against other nations. Kingdoms will fight against other kingdoms. There will be great earthquakes, sicknesses and other bad things in many places. In some places there will be no food for the people to eat. Terrible things will happen. But it's not the end of the world. Now, again, this fits with the days in leading up to the fall of Jerusalem in a remarkable way. There are about 37 years between the death of Jesus and the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70. In 61 AD, a severe earthquake devastated Phrygia. In 63 AD, Vesuvius erupted, devastating Pompeii. And during the reigns of Claudius and Nero, There was widespread famine and so on. Wars and rumours of wars, uprisings, famines, diseases, earthquakes, volcanoes going off. Jesus is giving these people a very specific warning. And it's actually a warning that applies right down throughout the ages. There are still wars. There are still diseases, the COVID-19 virus. There are still natural disasters. Even while the virus is going on, there are natural disasters. And Jesus is saying, don't be distracted by these things. C.S. Lewis called these things blockades on the road to hell. They're God's reminder to us that all's not well with planet Earth, that this is a fallen world, that it's subject to frustration because of man's rebellion and its groaning and waiting for the redemption of the sons of men. God's reminding us of that. Every time there's a bushfire or a flood or an earthquake or a pandemic, every every time something like that happens... God's setting the alarm, as it were, blowing the trumpet to wake us up. Heaven and earth will pass away. The things that you're living for, the things that you ensure, these things are going to pass away. Don't be distracted by them. But Jesus' words will last forever. These are the things to give your life to. Jesus says in Matthew chapter six, verse thirty three. What you should want most is God's kingdom and doing what he wants you to do. So don't get taken in by false messiahs. Don't get taken up with world events. And then the third warning, don't be demoralised by persecution when it comes, because it will come. But it's not the end of the world. Verse 12 But before all these things happen, people will arrest you and do bad things to you. They will judge you in their synagogues and put you in jail. You'll be forced to stand before kings and governors. They will do all these things to you because you follow me. Verse 16, even your parents, brothers, relatives and friends will turn against you. Do you realise that if you live in an Islamic culture today and you convert to Christianity... Your own brother will come and seek to put you to death. This is actually happening for our brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world. Persecutions will come. Do you realise Christians are the most persecuted people in the world? There's an incident reported by Transworld Radio that happened in the Soviet Union in the days of Nikita Khrushchev. A bunch of Christians complained to the Kremlin about their freedom of worship, which was permitted in the Constitution, so they wrote a letter to Khrushchev. To their amazement, he invited them to come and put their complaints directly to himself. So, with fear and trembling, they prepared their case and they turned up at the Kremlin. They stated their case and pleaded with Khrushchev to intervene on their behalf. When they finished... This is apparently what happened. Christoph opened a drawer of his desk and there in the drawer was an open Bible. He picked it up and it was actually open at Luke chapter 21. Christoph asked them to listen as he read how Jesus tells his disciples to expect persecution and he forewarns them that they'd be hounded out of towns and thrown out of synagogues for his sake. Khrushchev turned to the Christians brusquely and said, Well, isn't that what your Lord promised you? They had to agree that it was. So then, he said, Why are you complaining? There was an embarrassed silence. He sent them home with this word of advice If you really believe this book, you shouldn't have come to me, you should have gone to Him. Friends, do we believe what Jesus says here in Luke chapter 21? So don't be demoralised when you see these things happening. It's not the end of the world. Don't be deceived, don't be distracted, don't be demoralised. These are the three warnings. But the warnings are followed by three exhortations. In the context of talking about persecution, Jesus says in verse 13 that this will actually be an opportunity for them to witness. How we need to get that perspective on things today. Why are there wars and rumours of wars? Why does God allow bushfires and pandemics that create havoc in people's lives? Why is there persecution? Jesus says something quite remarkable. He says, this is an opportunity for you to witness. Consider Paul's take on his suffering. He was in a Roman prison when he wrote Philippians chapter one verse 12, where he says, "Brothers and sisters, I want you to know that all that has happened to me has helped to spread the good news." Paul's not feeling sorry for himself. Yes, yeah, so I'm chained to a Roman guard twenty-four hours a day, but it's an opportunity for me to witness. I have a captive audience. They think they've caught me." But I've actually got them on the end of a chain. And 24-7 I can preach the gospel to them. Verses 13 and 14 of Philippians 1. All the Roman guards and all the others here know that I am in prison for serving Christ. My being in prison has caused most of the believers to put their trust in the Lord and to show more courage in telling people God's message. You know, you don't go looking for trouble, but when persecution or trouble comes, as Jesus says it would, we're to see it as an opportunity to witness. So there will be bushfires and pandemics and earthquakes and tsunamis and refugees and displaced persons, because God intends to get the gospel out into the world. And these give us our opportunity to do that. The quarrel that Jesus had with the establishment in Jerusalem and the reason why the punishment came down in AD 70 is, as he says in Matthew 21 verse 13, my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you are changing it into a hiding place for thieves. You see, instead of them taking up their responsibility to take the knowledge of God to the ends of the earth, they'd gone into the temple and into their religion and they've hidden away from their responsibility but the church will succeed where the temple has failed. God will bring his gospel to the ends of the earth. That's why these things are happening in the world, because that's what God's purpose is. That's our mandate. Mark 13 verse 10, Before the end comes, the good news must be told to all nations. So the destruction of the temple and the fall of Jerusalem aren't the end of the world. Verses 20 to 24 describe in incredible detail the destruction of Jerusalem and the end of the world. It's a horrendous story, but it's really interesting. When the temple was destroyed and Jerusalem was taken, did you know not one single Christian perished? One million Jews were massacred. 900,000 were taken into imprisonment, but not one Christian perished. Why? Why? Because they'd had a prediction from Jesus. They'd been warned to flee. Verse 20, you will see armies all around Jerusalem. Then you will know that the time for its destruction has come. The people in Judea at that time should run away to the mountains. Now, just think about that. If Jesus predicted the fall of Jerusalem with such accuracy, and we know from history that it actually happened as Jesus said then we should take seriously everything else that Jesus says about the end of the world, about how we're to prepare ourselves for the end of the world. So, friends, be encouraged by this. And look at verses 14 and 15. Decide now not to worry about what you will say, Jesus says. I will give you the wisdom to say things that none of your enemies can answer. You know, at times like these, we wonder how am I going to cope? How am I going to be a witness for Christ at this time? How I will be? How will I be able to get through this? Jesus says, "I will give you the words. I'll give you the arguments. You're not on your own." That leads me into the other thing that He says: we're to see it as an opportunity to witness, but we are also to withstand. Verses eighteen and nineteen. But none of these things can really harm you. You will save yourselves by continuing strong in your faith through all these things. When you see these things happening, keep standing. Don't give in. Don't give up because your God is sovereign. He knows what he's doing. Stand and keep on standing right to the very end. When you don't know what to say, he'll give you the words. When you don't know how you're going to get through the week, he'll give you the strength. Witness. Withstand. And the third one, watch. Verse 34. Be careful not to spend your time having parties and getting drunk or worrying about this life. If you do that, you won't be able to think straight, and the end might come when you are not ready. Wait. Watch. Watch what? What are we looking for? Well, in verses 27 to 30, there are also three promises. Verse 27, the Son of Man is coming. Verse 28, your redemption's drawing near. Verse 30, the kingdom of God's breaking in. You know, Matthew and Mark talk about these things as birth pangs. When your wife is pregnant and she nudges you in the middle of the night and she says, I think it's started, you don't roll over and go back to sleep. That would be a huge mistake. So you go and get the car out, you get the motor running and you head for the hospital as quickly as you can because birth pangs are the beginning of something. They're not a prediction of exactly when the event's going to take place. Sometimes it can take 24 hours or more from when contractions start until the baby arrives. But once those contractions have started, something's on the way. And what Jesus is saying here to us is this. When you hear about these things in the newspapers, when you turn on your television and you experience these things in your own life, these are not the death throes of a civilization. These are the birth pangs. The kingdom is coming. You see, that's the big difference between Christians and other people. Everybody's scared about what's happening in the world at the moment, aren't they? But in the midst of it all, there are Christians who are lifting up their heads Because they see that the Son of Man's coming. Do you realise that's what these things are telling us? That the Son of Man is coming. Your redemption is drawing near. Not just the salvation of your soul, but the redemption of your body is drawing near. The kingdom's approaching. Isn't that exciting? Are you ready for it? There's a famous incident that happened some years ago. A Long Island resident ordered an extremely sensitive barometer from Abercrombie & Fitch. When the instrument arrived, he was disappointed to discover that the needle appeared to be stuck. It pointed to hurricane. After shaking the barometer vigorously several times, which isn't a very good idea with a sensitive instrument, because he wasn't able to get the pointer to move, he wrote a scathing letter to the store from which he'd purchased it. The following morning, when he got home from work, he found that not only that was the barometer missing, so was his house. Jesus says, Be ready. The Son of Man is coming. The Son of Man's coming And this time not to an out-of-the-way place, not to Bethlehem, not to an outhouse, not as a baby, but the Son of Man is coming on the clouds of glory, and every eye will see him. So, are you ready to stand before the Son of Man? Will you be thoroughly ashamed of how you've lived your life? You know, you've lived as though it's all about you and your comforts and feathering your little nest. For the Son of Man's coming and your redemption's drawing near, and the kingdom of God's about to break in. So when he comes, will you meet him as your judge, or will you greet him as your saviour? Yes, Lord, I haven't lived as I should have. Yes, I have been self-centred. Yes, I've squandered opportunity after opportunity. And, Lord, I have no argument, no plea, no defence, except that Jesus bled and died for me. We read in Acts chapter 2, verse 21, in the contemporary English version of the Bible, then the Lord will say, will save everyone who asks for his help. The Son of Man's coming. Your redemption is drawing near. The kingdom of God is breaking in. It'll be here before you know it. And if you call on the name of the Lord, you won't need to be ashamed on that day. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for these wonderful truths. The reminders that things like the COVID 19 pandemic, the bushfires, the floods, the tsunamis, and everything else are your alarm bells. Alarm bells that are ringing to remind us that the day of the Lord is coming, the Son of Man is coming back. We don't know when that will be, but they're like the birth pangs. Uh, to uh, to warn a mother that her baby is coming, Lord help us to heed these warnings. Help us not to come out the other side of this pandemic and say, "Well, that's it. We're we're out of it. All's good now." But Lord, remind us, shake us to see that you want to tell us that there is a day of judgment coming, and your Son is coming back. Help us to be ready. Help us to be prepared so that we will greet you as our Saviour and not meet you as our Judge. Father, we ask these things for Jesus' sake and in his name. Amen.